0: Welcome back into the great Scott show. Chauncey Gardner Johnson moving to Philly. He got in a few little fights. His mom didn't get scared. His agent did. And they didn't move him out of Philly. They moved him into Philly. That has been the, um, you know, that's what I kind of hit on in our opening segment. We're going to have open phone lines in the following segment after this one. So you guys can sound off. Gerald Broussard will join me in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk about it. We'll also talk a good bit of UL football. But joining us for a uh, a quick segment here is Andrew Juch of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, uh, a guy that likes to drive Ralph crazy, which I've always appreciated. But, Juch, um, I don't know. A lot of people may be reluctantly giving you, roses, giving you roses yesterday because I heard you. I mean, you were one of those guys that said, look, Don't be surprised if the Saints trade Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And I guess the timing of it and everything, a lot of people are like, I don't know. Then it happens. And even though I was, I'll be honest, I I was not expecting it to happen when it happened. I did think of you. And I was like, I mean, Juge, Juge called it, so... Uh, While everybody else was surprised, what were you feeling when you saw that thing? I I don't know. How did you find out? Did you just scroll Twitter? Did Ralph text you in a panic? How did you find out?
1: Yeah, I I got, uh, listen, Scott, I got about 17 texts in the the space of about 30 seconds. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, I I knew something was up. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, the news came to me pretty quick from there. And, uh, yeah, look, I'm not surprised. And uh, this all really stemmed and and really began with the trade – Trade talks with Deshaun Watson, and you remember at that time the Saints. Uh, there were a number of players that were talked about as possibilities included in that deal when the Saints were uh, maybe even the favorites at one point to get Deshaun Watson. And, and the names that were out there were Caesar Ruiz and uh, Chauncey Garner. Johnson was thrown out there, of course, as well. And you know, I, I think there's two different players that, that kind of chose two different paths on, on the other side of that. Now Ruiz, you know, I don't know that he. Uh, based on at this stage of his career with what his contract being what it is and having maybe not played at a high enough level. Maybe he doesn't feel like he has enough voice to kind of voice his displeasure. But Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was really unhappy about the situation. And, you know, ever since then, there's there's been disharmony. Um, and uh, so, look, I, I think I'm not surprised, but I think from a professionalism standpoint, I know the Saints weren't happy with contract negotiations. Contract negotiations. I know Chauncey Gardner Johnson wasn't either, and uh, you know that led to a period of time where apparently, uh, reportedly, uh, Gardner Johnson was not talking to his coaches at all, not acknowledging them, not responding to them. He he was at practice, uh, so he wasn't officially getting fined, but he refused to take part in team drills as kind of a protest for his contract situation. And you know, I, I think it just came all to a head here pretty quickly, where the Saints just felt like they were so far apart in terms of contract numbers and contract terms. And it became clear that not only were they not going to be come to a deal in terms of a long-term extension, but I think there started to be feelings in the building that, you know, maybe this, he was so disgruntled that this isn't a guy that we can keep around. And uh, so, no, I'm not surprised that it ends this way, but certainly look at he's, he's a good player. Uh, He's been very, a very solid performer for the saints and, uh, to see him leave like this and only get a fifth and sixth round pick for him and you send back a seventh, uh, I don't think that compensation just is, is you know, worthy of the type of talent that he was on the field. So I, I think the Saints, uh, it's unfortunate, and I think the Saints uh, got maybe a little bit worse today.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think they did, uh, Andrew Juju, I guess, because obviously to me, if you boil it all down, it's, it's a trust issue. Because the reality is this. They're far apart on negotiations. He's under contract. He's not going to hold out. He doesn't want to lose in a crude season. Like if they hadn't come to an agreement, he does not strike me as a guy that would have gone through an entire season not talking to coaches. Like I and I know, I know Underhill reported that there were some practices, and part of that is the hold in process, since you can't actually hold out. And I'm not even choosing sides here. I'm just objectively viewing it, right? Um, I, I, from the outside, I'm, I'm thinking, man, okay, so he was disgruntled, but is he going to play his way out of a better contract this season by just not doing much or getting sour? Or, you know, like, the the on one side, it's like, man, it makes more sense just to let him walk next offseason and have it on the team this year. But clearly in my opinion, within that organization, they didn't, they didn't trust him. And, and look, we're not there. We see it from the outside. Obviously, he was, he was I, I think he had the respect of his teammates. I mean, you can go back to For sure. where Michael Thomas cold-clocked him, and Thomas was the superstar. I mean, C.D. Deuce was, you know, the, the, <laughs> the motor mouth that just got under the opponent's skin, but he wasn't even at that moment in time. He wasn't even playing as well as he ended up playing last season. like He hadn't even reached, I guess, his his best as a player yet. And yet all the players in that locker room, if you remember, Juj, and I know you do, they were taking C- C.D. Deuce aside in that. And, and and Thomas was the one that got suspended. And so you hear DeMario Davis's response yesterday. And so the teammates, I, I think they trusted him, but I, I guess the coaches didn't because it's the only thing. If the compensation was better, I would get it. But the notion of well, you got something now because you weren't going to get anything at the end of the season. I don't think you trade away not having them for a future fifth and sixth and lose a seventh to not have them this season. It's a at the end of the day, it's just it's got to be a trust issue, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know uh, we can we can listen to what they say, and certainly Dennis Allen is, was uh, you know respectful of. Chauncey Garner-Johnson and, and thanked him for his service and said that they'll be rooting for him. Before I mean, he said all, saw all the right things, but clearly they wanted him out of the building. When you give up a player like that for a fifth and sixth, uh, I think it was clear to the Saints that they weren't going to come to a long-term deal with him. And at that point, you know, they're they're so far apart, reportedly $4 million off per year. So, you know, I, I don't know that that was, that was ever close to, to happening. And so I think just that the, the – the chaotic nature of the player. And and I think that's been his greatest asset on the field and and perhaps uh, a disservice to him in in contract negotiations and kind of the professionalism aspect that we're talking about. But I I do think the Saints felt uncomfortable keeping him around with this elephant in the room. And, you know, I, I do wonder, and this is purely me theorizing here, but if you go back to Mickey Loomis in 2016, 2017, uh, when the Saints started, you know, they had built this incredible culture. And they had built, uh, worked really hard to kind of change the luck of the team. And it was built on a foundation of character players. And what we saw in, in 2016 and 2017 was the minute they started losing games and going 7-9, and nine, you know, there, there were a number of players on that team, uh, Junior Gillette, Akeem Hicks. Uh, Keenan Lewis, a number of players where I felt like that f- fingers were, were getting pointed uh, and there there was starting to be disharmony in the locker room. And it, it got to a point where very clearly the character and the culture that was built was undone very, very quickly by a couple bad apples. And I can't help but think, and remember, a couple of those guys got big time extensions. And I think sometimes when you get that big deal, that kind of reinforces the behavior. It gives you a louder voice in the locker room. It gives you more influence. It gives you a bigger voice. And so I think some of those players started to build uh, a a culture that was maybe a little cancerous. And I think that resonated with Mickey Loomis. And I think he remembers that clearly. And so I, you have to wonder uh, if that wasn't at play here a little bit. And I'm not I'm not accusing Chauncey Gardner Johnson of being those people. It's a different situation. And certainly. Uh, I think at times on the field, he was the kind of guy that, if anything, from a cultural standpoint, raised the energy level of everyone around him. He made players around him better. He was a Hall of Fame-level trash talker, as Ralph likes to say. But I, I can't help but think that maybe that played a part in this a little bit where Mickey Loomis remembered that situation, and especially with Sean Payton gone now, Scott, I believe that Mickey Loomis dennis allen they want to do whatever they can to preserve this culture and i think maybe they felt it was a little bit at risk here
0: andrew juge our guest uh co-owner and host of the saints happy hour podcast follow him on twitter at andrew juge all right man i'm i I need to let you run but real quick put on the the scouting cap i know you analyzed the film what are the saints losing and and who's going to fill that that void because i see i see um you know, Alante Taylor on on social media putting, I can do that bleep, you know. Uh, I I don't think it was cryptic at all. I think he was sending out a message. Um, So your thoughts on that, and then I'll ask you the follow-up quickly. What do you make of Philly moving Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to a true safety spot, and is that a good or bad idea in your mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, well, first of all, we'll wait and see what Philly does. Uh, You know, I, I certainly think he can play strong safety at a high level. In fact, in some ways, I feel like if you put him in a position where maybe he has a little bit more liberty to gamble a little bit more, that maybe even plays to his strength a little bit, because I do think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is uh, an, an average cover cover guy. I think that's maybe not his his man coverage ability. It is maybe one of the weaknesses in his game. His tackling can be a little spotty. He, he's a gambling player, and I think a lot of times he guesses right because he has tremendous instincts. And uh, we've talked about the X factor that he brings that – uh, is really hard to quantify, but we know it's, it's it's it puts him at a very high level as a football player. But, you know, he's a guy that will make plays for you, but he will make some mistakes, too. And so I do think the Saints can maybe plug someone in right away that maybe covers a little bit better, that maybe tackles a little bit better. And You won't bring the emotional uh, component to his game the way that Chauncey Gardner does. And, and so, look, again, I think there's no way to sugarcoat this, that the Saints got a little bit worse today, but – when you consider the depth at the corner and safety positions. And, you know, of course, Bradley Roby has had a tremendous camp. He, he was the Texans' best corner a year ago. And, uh, you know, I still think that on most teams, he, he would have a shot to start if it wasn't for Lattimore and Adebo being ahead of him and being so good. Uh, so you and Roby, I think they have a highly capable veteran corner. And Alante and Taylor, they have a second-round pick that they're very excited about that I think is a good player. And at safety, we know Marcus May and Teron Matthew are the starters, but look, P.J. Williams has been in the system for a long time. And out of nowhere, Justin Evans kind of looks like his old self. And he's maybe one of the biggest unsung heroes of camp. And I do think the ascension of of Justin Evans was maybe another reason why the Saints felt like they had the depth in the secondary, that they could do something like this. So when you look at the depth in the secondary, you look at all these players, you have to ask yourself – is it really worth breaking the bank? Now, reportedly, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson wanted to be the highest-paid nickel corner in the history of the game. And so if that's true and they were very far apart on contract talks, why not allocate those resources? And so this is where, in in the immediate term, I do think the Saints slide back a little bit in terms of their quality, in in terms of their talent, because they lose a really good player. But I do think they have enough depth to – have guys step up that can fill a role there and can play well. And remember now the, these backup guys, they're caught they're costing the saints a fraction of the cost that it would cost to keep Chauncey gardner Johnson at that contract. And now you start thinking long-term about where else you can allocate those resources. I'm talking about an Eric McCoy extension. I'm talking about a Marcus Davenport extension, the potential down the road for maybe signing a new quarterback. Look, they're going to have, if, if they don't stick with Jamison a couple years, They're going to have to give a new quarterback a big-time salary to kind of restart with someone new or or maybe reinvest in Janus Winston. So uh, they'll be able to spend that money in different ways, and I think they're so deep in their secondary that long-term they'll be okay with this. Um, So that's where we're at.
0: Andrew Juge has been our guest. Juge, I appreciate you joining us this morning. I know you're busy. Follow him on Twitter if you guys aren't already, at Andrew Juge, who owner and host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. And – um you know known as the more rational one uh but that's not hard when you work with ralph dave and kevin so i i feel like if you were like in a different crew you might be viewed differently but you put them next you know you put yourself next to those guys and man in a lineup you, you stand out i guess in a positive way when you're standing next to those cats
1: well you know it's it's funny i i think they bring me down to their level sometimes so you know, in a more professional setting, maybe I would, uh, you know, not stand out as a goofy one, but, uh, you know, they bring out the worst in me sometimes. What can I say? But, <laughs> no, it, it's it's fun. Look, we uh, certainly always appreciate the plug, Scott, and uh, we have a great time with Saints Happy Hour. So if you haven't heard of us before uh, or you're, you're not familiar with us, check us out at Saints Happy Hour. We have a, a great dose of, of humor and seriousness that we combine uh, to give you kind of your Saints coverage, and uh, we have a good time with it.
0: Well, it's it's great for days like yesterday when the news breaks. I mean, you guys had a pot up quickly um, when, you know, and I I tweeted out yesterday, you know, how Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's trade to Philly impacts the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl odds. That would be a talk. That, that's how that would be covered through the national media, locally, or through, you know, folks that cover the Saints, whether it be a fan, whether it be a blog, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a writer, a beat writer, whatever those are the ones you want to go to. You, you don't, you don't need to get saints content from the national brands. You want to get it from those that, that are all about the saints and and that's what you guys do, but you keep it fun and light as well. I appreciate the time again, my friend, uh, all the best. And, uh, I don't know about you, man, but I'm, I'm just ready for this damn season to start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, the Saints have locked in their 53 man roster for now. Uh, I, I do expect a couple more changes and tweaks here and there over the next, uh, week or so as they get ready for the Atlanta Falcons. But, uh, Yeah, no shortage of news. Uh, We we certainly got big, big news over the last 48 hours, and uh, I'm sure there's more to come. So looking forward to it and looking forward to catching up with you again soon.
0: Sounds good, Andrew. We'll talk later.
1: Anytime. Thank you.